Pat Conroy and I met in 1995, several months before his 50th birthday. Being a year older than he was, I had already passed that milestone. Pat would later write that he never imagined a man and woman in their 50s could fall in love and build a happy, prolific life together. In our youth-obsessed society, we are conditioned to believe that our best years are behind us. Instead, Pat and I found that our 50s and 60s were a time of great joy, productivity, and contentment. We were looking forward to sharing our 70s together, with new books underway and at least a couple more waiting in the wings. After an exhausting but exhilarating weekend-long festival celebrating Pat's 70th birthday in October of 2015, he settled down to finish the new novel he had started. Life was good. Pat was always happiest when he was writing, when he lost himself in the narrative that overtook him and flowed from his pen onto the pages of the yellow legal pads he used for his books. His musings, critiques, observations, and meditations he was more likely to write in his journals, which are also full of bits and pieces of stories he hoped to use one day. Pat collected stories like others might collect rare stamps or a library of illustrious music. Hearing a good story filled him with great excitement. Afterward, he was apt to grab a pen and say to the teller, Consider that story stolen. If you plan to write it one day, you'd better do it first. Story was the way Pat connected with his readers. They couldn't seem to get enough of his stories, nor could he get enough of theirs. His readers wrote him long, heart-rending letters about how they related to his writings and the various ways his life story paralleled and validated theirs. He read them all and would have answered each letter had he been able to do so. For a long time, Pat resisted and scorned modern technology with its emails and blogs and tweets and Twitters. Only when he realized that he could connect with more of his readers through the marvel of technology did he give in. Most of the works in this collection come from the blog he began to write when he was between books, when his health began to fail and he couldn't travel as much. He called his blog posts letters and came to embrace them as what he called a nightmare for someone who never learned to type, and in other ways, an opening to the light. The light Pat was referring to was his bread and butter, the connection he made with others that brought him not only such great joy, but also such great material. It was the way he collected the stories he would turn into the books that his readers clamored for, the ones that mirrored their own experiences and gave them a voice for the first time in their lives. It was Pat's winning ways that made the connection happen. His interest in everyone he met was palpable, so intense that it was impossible to resist. I should know. I experienced it the first time I met him at a writer's conference in Birmingham, Alabama. Before I knew what was happening, I had fallen under his spell, as I was to witness so many others do in the years to come. When our first meeting was over, Pat Conroy knew a lot more about me than I ever intended to tell him. I'm notoriously close-mouthed and private, so much so that he would later nickname me Helen Keller. Not only were Helen Keller and I both native Alabamians, he said, but like my namesake, I saw nothing, heard nothing, said nothing. I would also learn that this was typical Conroy humor, though I didn't think it funny at the time.
Pat could make the deaf hear and the mute speak, sweeping you up in a conversation with those intense blue eyes focused like lasers on you and you alone. He had the ability to ferret out your secret self that had been undercover for a lifetime. Before you realized what had happened, you had confided in him, told him about the past no one else knew about, the stories no one had heard before, the skeletons locked away in the family closet.